Now, if you didn't know how blessed I am, that'll evidence it. It's my wife and daughter there, and uh, my mother-in-law. And just uh, as it is, you know, you reflect on on all the ladies that have contributed to the life that you have now, and and certainly seeing there the three generations, just uh, yeah, it's difficult to preach now, but I appreciate them. Appreciate the fact that that God blesses that way. Uh, you know, there's uh, often tease tease Vicky about uh, the fact she's she's going to be nine this year. The time flies, but certainly I'm sure my uh, my mother-in-law was thinking probably the same way when um, when uh, she saw uh, Azzy walking down the, down the aisle nearly ten years ago. And time flies, and uh, hopefully no regrets there, but anyway. Um, this morning I want to give you a message from, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 1. But before we get into the scriptures this morning, I just want to say I want to honor in this message, what I want to honor is the biblical calling on a woman's life to weave a fabric of, of family life, really out of a commitment to to a husband and his calling, a commitment to her children and their training, a commitment to Christ and his glory. In other words, I want to honor the biblical calling that makes marriage, motherhood, and home life in the context of, of, of what we see as biblical faith, the central core dominant commitments of a woman's life. You know, there are millions uh, in the world today of millions of single women, and many will stay single. And there is a grace from God for that, a very special grace, and it is also a gift. There are women who are single mothers, and the marriage element in the calling I just described is really missing, perhaps through divorce, through death. And I want to just say to to you, Jesus Christ has grace for that too. There are women who are married and cannot with their husbands or have chosen not to have children. And again, Jesus has grace for that. And there are mothers who weave together their mothering and their marriage and their home life uh, with, with employment outside the home. And some because they're, they have to. They're single moms. Others because they see it as part of their calling and, and found creative ways to uh, interweave schedules so as not to uh, co- compromise really their core commitment to the home. Um, others, sadly, because they don't have authentic commitments to supporting the husband's calling and pouring their lives into their children and managing a home for the glory of Christ, they've simply absorbed really the values of the world from television, from media, friends with no biblical framework. Um, you know, my aim today is not to address all of those circumstances. It really is not. I want to encourage our ladies who believe that God's call on their life is marriage. The joyful support of a husband and his calling as you display that relationship that really ought to picture the, the, the love of Christ to his church. And what that looks like in motherhood and the transmission of a God-honoring, Christ-centered vision of life for your children and home life. The creation of a beautiful and simple place and a living organism called a home 
which becomes not only for the family, but really for the church a refuge of Christ's peace and demonstration for God's righteousness. Those of you women who feel this calling are the ones I want to encourage with this message, and your role is the one I want to honor especially today. Because you are probably not going to get the encouragement or the honor from this world. Um, This world doesn't know what I'm talking about. Marriage is a parable of Christ and His church. Motherhood is really the expression of that willing sacrifice that Christ exemplified. And home life as a creation of a living organism that nurtures the peace of Christ and the righteousness of God. And the world doesn't understand these things. And this morning, uh, as I just thought about our, our, our mothers, there's many, many different characters that we can look at in the Bible. If you remember last year, we looked at uh, lessons from Solomon's mom. And really, when we were dealing with Bathsheba, we were dealing with a mother who had a past. This week, uh, I want to talk about in, this, in our message for Mother's Day, Someone that God used greatly um, to, to produce one of the mightiest of the prophets of God. And today I want to talk about Samuel's mom, Hannah. And Hannah really is a, the type of mom who is a, a praying mom, a praising mom, a mom who made a promise. Someone once said that behind every good man is an ever, even better woman. And this morning, I declare to you that I have two great women, my wife and my mother. Why? Probably because it takes two of them to make me good, all right? But the subject today is about a mother who was used of the Lord. And today, countless pastors will probably be delivering a message about this woman, and I think fittingly so. We're going to be talking about Samuel's mom, Hannah. Her name means favor and grace. And if we begin the story here in in chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name name was Elkanah, the son son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Toshu, the son of Zaph, and Ephratite. And notice in verse 2, and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And certainly here as we start the story, we can't totally say that Hannah was living uh, to the meaning of her name. Her name, again, favor and grace. Uh, She was in a household that had another woman to her husband. And I think what made things a little bit more complicated and worse for her was this woman had something over Hannah. She had children and Hannah did not. And we read on in the story here in in verse 4, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. And notice verse 5, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And so we see here a particular situation really in the life of this lady uh, the Lord had shut up her womb. And, and you know, if you know the, the, uh, the, the culture of that day, children were, were everything. Uh, to be able to, to give 
a child to the lineage of a man was certainly a, a great deal. But uh, for her, this one, Hannah, who, who was not able, who had, whose womb was shut up by the Lord, uh, this, this didn't cause Elkanah, her husband, to love her less. In fact, the Bible tells us here that, that he loved Hannah, that he gave her a worthy portion, even though the case was, uh, the case was she couldn't have children. And, and really what we're, we're going to learn from Hannah is that as a woman who faced some challenges, she, she was a woman who approached her challenges and her uh, her, her situation and her circumstance with prayer, with praise, and with promise. Prayer because she sought the Lord. Praise because she exalted and worshipped God. And promise because she fulfilled her vow. And I believe as we think about it this morning, we need mothers who will be just like Hannah. We need some mothers who will be those who will pray those who will praise, and those who will promise. And let's pray we'll ask the Lord as we think about Hannah and learn some lessons from Samuel's mom. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. And Lord, we just want to thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father, that, uh, that as we, as we approach, uh, approach this day, we can uh, certainly appreciate Lord, the role that our mothers have, uh, have played in the, the lives of everyone here. Father, thank you that we, Lord, although we have unique situations, that, Lord, you were able to give us one. Lord, who raised us, who loved on us, who perhaps even taught us the faith. And certainly, Lord, from my personal point of view, I thank you for that. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning as we learn uh, some lessons from Samuel's mom. Uh, that, Lord, you'd challenge us, Lord, uh, as, as people, and particularly, Lord, our, our mothers here, Lord, about their role, about, the, Lord, the place that they have that's so important. And then I pray that you'd help us to just make application, Lord, and I pray for your Spirit's guidance. We surrender to you, dear Lord, and we praise you and thank you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so we note here that, that Hannah, firstly, was a, a woman of prayer, and, and we see that she sought the Lord with her burdens. And... Um, Notice verses 6 to 11 as we continue our story. Again, uh, noting already the circumstance that we find Hannah in, that she uh, was a woman who, uh, who was uh, in, in, in great need in her heart, that, that something that was missing that she felt like was, part of, was needed uh, to fulfill her. But she had great burdens. And, and in verse 6, and her adversary, uh, who was at the uh, Penina, also provoked her soul. For to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And already we know that, that Hannah had a great burden for, for a child. And even more so exacerbated because of this, uh, this, uh, this other one who was provoking her. Who was provoking her in her own home. And, and notice in verse 7, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. And so Hannah was under immense pressure. She had, she had a great deal of burdens to bear. And you understand, I think, as, as, as ladies, and I'll speak predominantly to the ladies this morning, but we can listen in, men, that, you know, you, you have great burdens that you have. And, and it might be, might be not the same situation there, uh, of course, as Hannah, but, but you might be looking at your life, and, and I'm sure 
in every woman's life, there's some great burdens that she has. Burdens of the household, burdens of this life, of, of trying to navigate it and trying to follow after and submit to a husband who also is fallible. Going through and, and understanding and trying to uh, raise these children in, in challenging and burdensome situations. And, and, and yet we see how Hannah responded here. She sought the Lord with her burdens. Verse 8, then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Notice what he asked, am not I better to thee than ten sons? So, so there was one who was an advocate for her, a, a husband. And let me just say, uh, just as we were thinking about that, it's important, men, that even as we focus on Mother's Day, that, that this shouldn't just be the day where we show some support to our, our wife. Right, men? This should just be an example of a day, but really throughout the year, throughout our, our living, it's our, it's, our, it's, our, um, it's our calling in life to, to also be a, a help and a support in, in the, in, and an encouragement to our wife and their desires for the Lord, in their desire to honor the, uh, the Lord. And so here he's saying, I'm, I'm better, I'm trying to support you and in verse 9, he says, so, when, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. So, so she's approaching here, and, and Eli was present there in Shiloh. In verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And so she makes a vow, but the important thing here to note here is this, that she sought the Lord with her burdens. She was a woman of prayer. And I can't... I can't um, I, can, uh, I, I don't think any of us can ever underestimate the power of a praying woman. And, and I've, I've said this many times that, that the, the, some of the most impactful images in my mind and some of the most impactful uh, moments in my life have been those rare occasions where I got up early enough to hear my mother pray for me. And I'm thankful for that. And even more so, as I think about it, you know, it's not just mothers really that we celebrate today. We also celebrate grandmothers. And the many times where my grandmother, who led me to the Lord, would wake up early in the morning and I would hear her praying for me and, and with tears and with, with a great authenticity and reality of, of her intercession for me. I can't think of no greater impact than those moments. And yet we, we note that Many times we, we don't get that opportunity to see, but can I just submit to you, whether you see your mother pray or not, the fact that she prays for you has made a great impact in your life. Young people, if you have a, a, a mom who, despite the fact that, that you, you're probably a brat, that, that sometimes you are a rebel, and sometimes you displease them, that they continue to pray for you. And I hope that you, you, you don't take that for granted because the fact of the matter is this, there are some in our midst whose mothers don't pray for them, whose mothers don't have that burden, who perhaps are, whose mother is without the Lord. And, and let me just say, 
you know, just the thought of that always moves me. That you're, you know, some of us here don't have a mum who's actually saved. And I hope you feel that, church, this morning. I hope that you just don't think about just, oh, well, I have a blessed life. And I hope you think about those who have that burden. I hope that you think about those who are sitting here in this church right now, who, who have a, a mum at home or in elsewhere, and, and they know they're lost. They know they don't pray for them. But can I just say that God has a grace for that too. And, and yet we note here that, that Hannah was a type of woman who sought the Lord with her burdens. And, and Hannah sought no other means to alleviate her burdens but prayer. And, and how we need, may I implore you this morning, mothers who would pray. Charles Spurgeon, in recounting the influence that his mother had on him, said the following, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Certainly I have not the powers of speech with which to set forth my valuation of the choice blessing which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of one who prayed for me and prayed with me. And I can't think of any more needy person to pray than a woman who has great burdens. And I hope this morning that, that as you consider your life, and, and if you're a mother, you have burdens. You fear perhaps for your child's future. You, you fear perhaps of the, the circumstances of the world of which your children are being brought up in. Uh, you, maybe there's some other thing there that, that is a hurt or an injury in your, in your heart that you're just seeking the Lord for. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a, a husband that's astray even. Maybe those that are around your children that are influencing them and you have a great burden for them. You know, there's those sort of things don't have a quick fix answer. But we do have the Lord. And we do have one that we can seek who, who knows, who, who knows the, the infirmities that we have, who, who bore burdens himself. And this morning, I want to say that we can seek the Lord. You see, Hannah was a sort of person who sought the Lord with her burdens. And I'm just simply imploring you, ladies, may I encourage you this morning to pray. May I encourage you to not have that as a, as a novel thing of the Christian life, but to see the importance of it May I implore you and encourage you this morning to be someone who seeks the Lord with their burden. You know, sometimes we, we have a tendency to, to trust in man rather than God. And many times, as the nature of, of many ladies are, they would rather talk to others about their burdens rather than seeking the Lord for their burdens. And can I just say that, that you would just fight off that tendency, ladies, that, that before you you go about and you just unload maybe on, on someone else, that, that you do what Hannah did in her burden, and she sought the Lord with it first. You know, she, she, was, she was obviously upset, and, and Elkanah tried to, tried to help her, tried to, tried to be with her, but, but I think there was an understanding that this was something that they needed to seek the Lord about. And, and I want you to note some things about Hannah's prayer life. Firstly, she was real in her prayer. She was real in her prayer. Look at verse 10. Notice here, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore because of the fact that, that she was going through this great burden, that she was being provoked in her own home. 
She went to God with bitterness and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Notice in verse 12, and it came to pass. Here now she was in the presence of, uh, of the Lord there in, in, the, um, in the tabernacle at Shiloh. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. And so Eli was a high priest of the day, noticing her mark that, that she was speaking. And later on we know that she wasn't making a sound. In verse 13, now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she had been drunken, that something had overcome this woman, something had, had, was, was, was influencing her. She was not in her seemingly right mind, but what she was doing, she was just being real. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And then notice Hannah's response, and Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Notice that he, she poured out her soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. You know, sometimes in our prayer we can become sort of robotic. You know, if you've been a Christian long enough, you know the kind of prayers that we pray. We can approach sometimes God with a, with, with a lack of authenticity about what is actually happening in our hearts. And yet we see here in, in Hannah's life, as she sought the Lord in her prayer, that, that she was just real, that, that the burdens that, that were really there, even the bitterness of her soul was, was laid bare before, uh, before the Lord and it even was evident there in, in the in the sight of the high priest, Eli. And she was real in her prayer. Listen, don't you understand this morning, ladies, that God knows the hard, uh, the, the, the hard situation that you're in. God knows your burden. God knows the, the thing that you're going through. God knows the thing that is hurting your heart. And don't you think He has compassion? Don't you think that, that He... That, uh, him knowing he would have you just pour out yourself. And she poured out her heart really in anguish for her need. And, and, and this woman in this particular situation, she was burdened for a child. She was burdened to have this child. And so she poured out her heart in complaint to the Lord. And can I encourage you ladies, you don't have to fake it. There are going to be days where you're highly burdened. The Lord knows it already, so you might as well just come to Him. You know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with just pouring your heart out to God. There's nothing wrong when you're feeling overwhelmed to go to a God who cares and loves you, who has compassion upon you. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, there's no problem to come to God when when sometimes even all you could do is groan in your spirit, the Bible says. And yet, many times we can become unreal or just disingenuous, not authentic in the things that we're, we go through and we formalize our prayers to the point where really there's no meaning. It's just words that we're speaking. And, and can I just say, mothers, if you have a great burden, be real. 
Be real. Pour yourself out. See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them, near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. In Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And he's saying here that we can approach God with a bit of brokenness, that we can approach God in the reality of our circumstances. We, not, we, we need not pretend in sight of an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-compassionate God. We have no need for that. And Hannah poured herself out. And I want to encourage you ladies. You know, there might be some things that are of, of deep hurt in your life. There might be some things that you're just trying to figure out. And there's a, there's a great burden there. And, 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 and there's a difficulty, isn't there, in motherhood? Then I want to just encourage you firstly, seek the Lord. Be real in your prayer. And then about her prayer, she was also then not just real, but she was hopeful in her prayer. She was hopeful. And, and, and here we, we noted in verse 11, she, she made a vow. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt. She wasn't just praying empty prayers out of religiosity. She was asking for something. She was hopeful. And yet we see, uh, as we continue the story in verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee by thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And, and here's the key, and her countenance was no more sad. You know, when, when you've given your burden to the Lord, you've been real before God. Can I just encourage you that in your prayer, you can be hopeful. That, that it's not just like, oh, well, I've just done my thing. I've just done my duty. Listen, you have a God who is compassionate, who can and is able. And we can be hopeful in God. And so she went, she went away. Her countenance was no longer sad. And, and you know, as you think about this, Hannah, Hannah didn't pray this with, a, with, a, with an air of entitlement or demand. Rather, she was low before a holy God, but also hope, hopeful that the Lord will hear her petition. And again, the key there is verse 18. Her countenance was no more sad. You know, sometimes when we're greatly burdened and we, and we uh, approach God in our prayer, uh, we go away and we've not changed. We go away and, and still the, 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 the bro, uh, the, the, everyone, it seems like you're, you're advertising your hurt and you're advertising all of this. Sometimes it just be helpful for us to just be hopeful. In our prayer to actually believe in God whom we're praying to. And her brokenness is, what I'm saying, wasn't one of permanent despair and anguish. It was a welling up of her burden, but also a wellspring of her hope in an almighty God. You see, the Bible tells us in Matthew 21, 22, and in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And here we see that as the story continues, that her hopefulness made her enact on what she asked for. Because she had hopeful prayer, notice what happened in verse 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And notice here, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. 
that's the Bible indicating to us that they had a physical relationship. And because of that, notice here, and the Lord remembered her. And here's why I mentioned that. One, it's part of the narrative. The, God, the Bible didn't exclude it. He included it. Here's what it is. Sometimes we say we're hopeful in our prayer, but then we don't do anything about it. You know, there's many of you and I, I know myself personally, many times I've asked for God to do something, and then I just go and, and just sort of wait and do nothing about it. I'll give you an example, a classic example. We say, Lord, help me to be a witness today. Lord, help me to be more of a soul winner today. And then we go out of our houses and we pray that, but then we don't have tracks in our pocket. Then when the opportunity comes, we're not willing to open our mouth. How is that hopeful prayer? How is that, how is that a true prayer believing? No, listen, hope, hope leads to progress. If we're truly believing in our prayer, and listen, moms, if you're praying that God would help you grow in your wisdom to be a mother, then can I just simply submit, seek wisdom then. Don't just sit there and then do the same thing that you've done. Don't just, you need to trust God. You need to be hopeful in your prayer. And her hopefulness made her enact on what she asked for. And you know, Hopefulness doesn't lead to inaction. Rather, it leads to pressing forward in the faith. And I believe we often don't get what we pray for because we don't in intend to act on what we pray for. And, and Hannah was a woman who exemplified hopeful prayer. And, and moms, I want to ask, what are you asking God for? What, what are you seeking God for? Can I just say your husbands need prayer? Can I just say your children need your prayer? And can I just say humbly, this church needs your prayer? And so she was real. She was hopeful in her seeking. But notice the, the next thing about Hannah was not only she was a woman of, of prayer, but she was also a woman of praise. She was a woman who glorified God for her blessings. We know already in verse 19 that, that she, she rose up early and worshipped before the Lord. We know that she had a real walk with God, that, that it wasn't just in the public moments of her life that she was viewed as a worshiper, that she went alone there in the early morning and she prayed and she worshiped and she praised. She was already a woman of worship. And then notice in verse 20, wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. And you know, in the Bible, names were much more significant than, than perhaps many of us hold to today. Many of us, we just, this is the depth of our choosing, oh, I like that name. But, but here in the Bible, names and, and names given to children were very important and it meant something. And here it indicates for us in verse 20 that, that Hannah understood that this child, although she did those things that were needful to have a child, was really from the Lord was really as a result of having asked God for this one. And so she recognized who the glory belonged to. The glory belonged to God for her blessing. You know, sometimes we can get to a stage in our lives where perhaps you have mastered, and, and many ladies, as I've observed here, you've mastered some, some parts of motherhood. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. You, we ought to grow, right, as, a, as people in our roles for God, right? 
and there, there needs to be some sort of mastery eventually. But, but note there that the, the way you got there wasn't because you were so good. It's because God was so good to you. It's because the, the glory belongs to God. Don't, don't sit on your pedestal all pious thinking that you've somehow attained it. No, listen, you received that of God. And here Hannah, she understood that while she has this child now, that he was, she was going to name him Samuel because she, she asked of him of the Lord. And what I'm saying is don't let the answered prayer supersede the God who heard your cry. Hannah understood that this was from the Lord. And ladies, listen, don't glory in the family that God has given you without recognizing that you have received it of His hand. You see, in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And here we see a mother who had personal worship. We know she was often with her husband Elkanah, but but she had her own walk with God. And I want to encourage you, have your own walk with God. Be a personal worshiper. Be, be one that glorifies God personally. As a mother, she had, she, what she had was real. And again, there was this partnership. We understand that, that Elkanah was one who led, led uh, Hannah in the worship. He was there at the sacrifices. He would, he would bring his family he would encourage his wife to go. And so men, again, let's not neglect to lead our wife in a life of worship to God. Hey, listen, men, don't expect your wife to be the one praying when you're not praying yourself. Don't, be, don't expect your wife to, to be spiritual if you refuse to be spiritual yourself. There's a partnership there. But certainly Hannah had her own walk. And she was a mother who was real. And I can think of many examples in the Bible, particularly as I think about Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance unfeigned faith that is in thee. So that real faith that's in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And as Apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy, who was now later on in his ministry, who was going through some things that, that perhaps were discouraging to him, was reminding Timothy that, Timothy, you have a real faith, but then I first saw it in your grandmother and in your mother, but now it's in you also. Notice the transference of the commitment there. And listen, there's a great deal of, of responsibility. There's a great deal of, of, uh, of onus on each of you ladies to have a real walk with God. Because that reality will soon be transferred. You need to cherish those times. But we can't waste it. And so she had a personal, personal worship. She was a mother who desired for her children to worship. You see later on in verse 22, but uh, the man Elkanah and all his house went up, in verse 21, to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Verse 22, but Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, and that he may appear before the Lord, and therefore abide forever. And so she was trying to fulfill her responsibility. And it's interesting to me that this, this woman was juggling her household. She had a responsibility to the child while having a responsibility 
to, to God there. The, the Bible records for us her, her, her juggling there. But then notice her desire that he may appear before the Lord. Her, her desire was that her children would also have their worship. That they would be worshipers also. That they would glorify God as well. And, and, and the, here we see that, that her desire was for her children to also have what she had. And, and you know, many of us here, we, we do that in other areas of, of our lives. We don't want our children to, to be less than what we have. We work and labor and we plan ahead for the future to better our children. But you know what we often don't do? Is this, we often don't think about the spiritual things that we're meant to invest. What are we modeling? What are we exemplifying for our children? And, and yet that was, that was Hannah's desire. It's similarly, again, as we're thinking about another example, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the only other place we'll turn to this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, and notice uh, verses, verses 14 to 15. No doubt the, the, there was a void in Timothy's life, and today's not Father's Day. We understand the importance of the of, of role of a father. We understand that also from Scripture that, that Timothy uh, had, a, had a, a father who, who was not one of the faith, and we see that there was a void there, and so very much so the Apostle Paul was, was that void filler for Timothy's life. So he says to Timothy in verse 10 that, that thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. He goes on, but then he, he, he continues in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So in the same thought of, of the things invested in you, he then says this in verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, now he changes tack there because he's saying, no, from a child, you have some building blocks, Timothy. From a child, there was one who invested in you the things of the faith. You've fully known those things about me, but there was another and maybe some who had given you the word of God from a child. You know who that was? It wasn't his dad. We know it. It was his grandmother and his mother. And the ones that taught him the scriptures, the ones that had invested from, in him from a child was mom. And listen, mothers, it's good for you to desire the physical well-being of your child. We're going to see that in, in Hannah's life later on in chapter 2. She goes yearly to give Samuel a coat. And it, there's a great, there's, there ought to be a great desire to, to see the well-being, the physical well-being of your child. But listen, mothers, you ought to desire the spiritual well-being of your child. You ought to invest those things that are of the faith. You ought to, you ought to give them and, and, and you ought to transfer that on. And so she glorified God with her blessing. She, she had a real worship. She was one of, a person of praise. She was a mother who desired her children to follow after her. But then lastly, she was sincere. She was sincere in her promise. Uh, we noted already, go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, that she vowed a vow. She made a promise as the, the custom was. But, but she vowed a vow 
And she vowed that this child, if it was a man child, was going to be for the Lord. And then notice verses 24 to 28. 24 to 28, here we see that she fulfills that promise. Verse 24, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. The child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. She was reminding Eli. Eli, remember me? You thought I was drunk. But really I was a bitterness of soul. I was pouring my heart out to God. Remember what I asked? And you said, you know, be it to thee. And here I am, Eli. Here's a child. Here's Samuel. And notice... For this child, verse 27, I pray. And the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And notice the fulfillment then of the promise. She vowed that this child was going to be for the Lord. But you know, this vow wasn't empty. This vow was real. This vow she intended to keep, and she did keep. And at this juncture, really, she doesn't know if she'll have more children. At this point in the story, she doesn't know if God will bless her with more. But later on, we read in in chapter 2, verses 18 to to 21, that she does have more children, that she does have more. And and so this was a, at this point here, this was a real sacrifice. After all the pain and turmoil of having this child, Samuel, Think about it. That's the nature of it, though. A child is born to a family and then has to go and do as the Lord wills, and sadly, even otherwise. And, and what she promised, she would determine to keep. And, and you know, many of you, you're, you're in a tran- transition time in your life. You've got older children. And, and yet, I know many of you who prayed for those children, for, for God to use them, I know some of you are struggling with that. Struggling with that, what that means. Struggling to let them go into, into what God has called them. And yet here as a mother, Hannah, her word to the Lord meant more to her than her own happiness. I don't think there would have been anything more for Hannah that would have given her more happiness than to see that child there in her own house. And yet she was willing to fulfill a promise. She was willing to give him over to the Lord to be used of him. And and what I'm saying is that her happiness was rooted on her son. But let me just say her joy was rooted more on the Lord. And often mothers fear to to allow their children to venture into the will of God. I remember the conversation I had with my parents about just the Lord's leading in my life. And I remember that the, I, I knew my mom well enough to know that there was a bit of fear there. What does that mean? How are you going to get by? Uh, how are you going to, are you going to go overseas? Those kind of questions, she didn't physically ask them. But I, I read my mom enough to know that that's what she was thinking. And many of you, you you've gone through that for what, different reasons. You know, many, many of you who are in my position as a young, with a young family, maybe we haven't thought about that too much. 
But there's some of you who your children are getting on with their, with their, with their lives and you're wondering what the future will hold. Are they seeking God? But often mothers fear to allow their children to venture into the will of God. Why? Because their happiness is linked to their children's future. That's natural, isn't it? However, a faithful mother has her joy in Christ more than her joy in children. And here we see that, that Hannah's joy was different to her happiness. Her joy was, was given over to the Lord. She, she, she was joyful in the fact that she could give her child. And, and I wonder, how do you respond when God's plan, plan for your child is different to yours? How do you respond? Um, are you pleased because the Lord is pleased? Or are you only pleased when your ambition is met? Now, be it to the Lord that that's the same thing. But oftentimes, our will and His will, our plans and His plans, they're not always met. And, and we've got to be, we got to be, we got to have our joy more linked to God more than what we perceive to be our children's future. And mom, don't forget whose child that little one is. And place your joy in Christ. And you know, you think about this, Hannah being a mom continued to care for Samuel. And it doesn't mean that when you give them over to the Lord that you stop caring, that you stop providing as, as best as you can. No, it's this. There's a, there's a realization that they are God's and that God can take care of them, that God can lead them, that, that as you care for them. And, and again, Hannah continually brought him a coat each year, but Julie surrendered him for the work that God had called him to do. And, and parents, listen, it's a good thing to be an influence in your, your child's life. It's a good thing to suggest those things and pray with them about what they're meant to do next. But listen, if you've done what you're meant to do, you just need to give them over to the Lord and let the Lord lead them. And it's difficult when, when you see that and, and your child perhaps is, has gone astray, has gone a different path. And again, can I just say there's a grace for that. And, and, and we pray with you and we, we sorrow with you and we are burdened with you. But may your joy be linked and centered upon Christ this morning. May you look to Him this morning. May you just not find joy in just the successes, both spiritual and earthly, of your child, but, but may your joy as a mother, maybe as a parent, be linked to Christ. But then as a mother, as a mother, her word to the Lord blessed others and brought righteousness to a nation. You see, the, the story goes on, and if you didn't know, you could have, probably could have guessed, but a lot of this book is about Samuel. And Samuel was unselfishly given over by Hannah, and as a result, a nation was blessed. And this, this time, if you know a little bit of, of, of Bible, was a time of judges. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Yet Samuel's arrival to the scene, it really ushered in a time of great prosperity and righteousness for the nation. And here's the point I'm trying to make. I want to encourage you mothers to not, uh, not underestimate how your faithfulness to God 
you're honoring in God of raising your children, as tough and sacrificial as it is, how that will impact the society that we live in. You know, see, the, 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 the fact is this. Much of society's ills can be traced to the fact that men and women aren't fulfilling their God-ordained roles. That they're not focusing on what God tells them to focus on. That their core commitments are made up of what the world tells them more than what God tells them. And, and that has ushered in somewhat a generation that's become unruly and disobedient. The Bible tells us about that. And we better take great note that, that when we keep our word to God, that it brings about and it ushers in a great impact for the glory of God. You see, the, someone once said this, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And mothers, you have a great, great role. Mom, your faithful prayers, your authentic worship and your promises fulfilled to God will make an impact for the cause of Christ. But can I just say this to children now? Children, listen. If you rebel against a faithful mother, I'm just going to tell you, you, all you're going to find is heartache and sorrow. Children, you need to honor and obey her. You need to help her fulfill her promise, and you will both be joyful. Because in the end, your mom could be as faithful as faithful could be. But in the end, it's your choice to make. And Samuel had a choice to make. Samuel chose to be used of God. Samuel chose to be in the, t in the, in the house of God. Samuel chose to, to follow after the calling that God had for him. So you have to choose as well. And this, this morning, as much as this is a challenge and admonition to our mums here, this is also a challenge for you, children, uh, you kids. Don't despise, don't despise the heritage that God has given you. And, and you know, again, if you're here this morning, and maybe you're, you're looking at me like, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have that heritage. Can I just say, God has a grace for that. And that's why there's a local church. And that's why there's, there's some who, who perhaps who have a great burden for you, who want to nurture you right here. But that's how a church works. And, and Hannah, Hannah was, was Samuel's mom. You know, often when you become a mom, you start to introduce yourself amongst especially young people. You start to identify as someone's mom. I know in, in, our, in, in the school that our, our children attend, whenever there's a carnival, I don't like to just use my first name. I, I just tell them, I'm Vicky's dad. I'm Malachi's dad. Because that's who I am. And my wife's the same. You know, when they get, her, get around all of the mothers in their class, they go, I, I am so-and-so's mom. And listen, you, there's a sacrifice that, that, that comes out of that. But listen. Our time and society's future is in need of you. It's in need of you to fulfill your God-given, God-designated role. He's given that to you to be a blessing. He's given that to you so that you could, you could exemplify and express 
the great love that God shows in that marriage relationship, in that family relationship. And, and this world will change, I believe, if we just had more mothers like Hannah. Hannah was one who prayed. She was one who praised. And she was one who promised. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have today. Lord, to just be thankful for our moms. Thankful, Lord, for their impact in our lives. And Father, we know that because we are human and they are human, they're not perfect. But Father, it's just your grace that so often raises up these godly women to, to do what they're meant to do. And to set aside their own desires and set aside those things that will hinder your calling on their lives. And they go about and they do the work. And we're thankful for that, dear Lord. I pray that you just help and impress upon, Lord, the hearts of the ladies especially. Lord, that they would be ladies who would be prayer, those who pray. That those who would just be real, authentic in their prayer. That they, that they would seek you with their burdens. That, Lord Father, you, you would just help these ladies to be authentic in their, in their praise of you in their blessing you. And then, Lord, that they would fulfill the promises made. And perhaps perhaps there's a need, Lord, today to just come back and be reminded of that. And I pray that you'd help our ladies. Bless each one. Bless their relationships with their children. Bless their, their labor of love. Bless their faith, Lord, that may it be a shining example, Father, today. And, Lord, for the, for the rest of the lives of these children, Lord, the lives of this, the life of this church. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play. I'm just going to have a time of invitation this morning. And just want to encourage you, firstly, if you were, I'll ask you this question. If you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Has there been a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ to be your Savior? I didn't ask you if you were religious. I'm simply asking, would you know? Would you know, was there a time where you accepted Christ? See, the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die and after this a judgment. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what it will bring. But certainly, certainly we need to come to a realization of where we need to spend our eternity. So I pray that you would just, uh, you would just um, get that right this morning. Is there anyone this morning? You're not sure if you're saved. You're not sure if there's ever been a time if you accepted Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand, I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out. I'll just pray for you this morning. Is there anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand? I'm not sure. I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. Anyone this morning? All right then, well, I want to challenge our mums. Why don't you make some time this morning as a piano plays and whether you do it at the altar or there at your seat. Is there something that God spoke to you about? Was it your prayer life? Was it your, your praise life? Was it some promises that God brought to mind today that you're not fulfilling? Is there anyone this morning? Maybe just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart. Just uh, there's some things I'd like to just for you to I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? See that hand. Thank you. See those hands. Pastor, I'm burdened. There's a there's just something that I 
I'd like God to just do for me. Something in my child's life. Something that I'd like to just bring before him. And I, I just need to be more real. Is there anyone this morning? Anything else? Okay, thank you ladies for that. So we'll stand to our feet. The altar's open this morning. And as the piano plays, why don't we respond? Maybe husbands, God spoke to you this morning. Maybe it's in support, supporting your wife a bit more. Maybe you take it more seriously. Uh, why don't we just do business with the Lord today?